0: Welcome to season five of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Farina, a veterinarian, a writer, and I've worked in the animal healthcare industry. And prior to that, I was an MTV journalist and radio personality. So yes, my career has taken me in lots of different directions. In each episode of Scrub Chat, I sit down and chat with a veterinarian or technician so they can share their own directions and journeys. What's worked, what hasn't, and how they've made it all fit. Thank you for joining me as we explore veterinary medicine combined with all the other aspects of our lives. One last thing, thank you Zoetis! Zoetis has generously created these podcasts to help support this incredible profession. Today, we get to chat with Kendra Dostaler, a licensed veterinary technician and owner of Kendra the Vet Tech. Wait until you hear about her entrepreneurial spirit. It is huge. Welcome to the show. Thank you so
1: much. I'm so excited to be here with you today.
0: Well, I am so glad you are here. So let's, let's get started. So tell us about Kendra the Vet Tech, your company. What
1: do you do? So what I do is I do provide relief LVT services in the immediate area that I live in. I do that part-time. And then the other components of what I do is I like to call it education assistance. I have a YouTube channel with some educational videos, my podcast channel with some information on credentialed veterinary technicians, and then also my social media platforms on Facebook and Instagram that I share some educational things.
0: That is so cool. So what are some of the topics that you cover?
1: So I've found a couple of different paths for myself here. I've been trying to primarily focus my podcast on what you can do as a credentialed veterinary technician. So I usually have one guest. Some of my episodes have a couple of guests. And we just talk about folks' career paths, how they got where they are today. And if someone wants that career in five, 10 years, how do I get there? What steps do I take to get there? So that's a lot of what my podcast focus on. My YouTube channel and my social media platforms, I try to focus more on educational things, teaching people about IV catheters, job interviews, so that they can feel more empowered in their position and feel better as they're starting out on their credentialed veterinary technician journey.
0: you received a bachelor's degree in sociology and criminology from Kansas State University six years before becoming, <laughs> becoming a veterinary technician.
1: What is all that about? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up on a dairy farm in Eastern Kansas, and it was in a very small town. There were only 48 kids in my graduating high school class. And I was under the impression that you were either going to be a farmer or you needed to go to college. And so I knew I didn't want to be a farmer. I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything in the world, but I wanted more freedom with my life. And so I was just really racking my brain for things that I could do that would integrate my love for animals with helping people and helping the world to be a better place, basically. And I landed in law enforcement. That was where I wanted to go. Um, And how I tied animals in with that was I had seen some working canines. There was a county sheriff's deputy that was kind enough to take me to some canine working dog trainings. And I just fell in love with the high drive and what those dogs do and just how good they are at their job. And so that was my aspiration at that time was to be a canine police officer and also a mounted police officer at at some point. So first of all, did you ever
0: become a,
1: a canine officer? (laughs) <laughs> no. I graduated college at that beautiful time when we were in the recession and no police departments were hiring rookies that they would have to send to the academy that would cost them so much money up front. So, actually, my law enforcement career was as a dispatcher, police, fire, and sheriff dispatcher for about four and a half years.
0: So, you did that for four and a half years. And then, you know, let's talk about your journey. So, then did you even know veterinary technicians existed? How did that come into your world?
1: Okay, this is a little bit embarrassing, but I'll tell you the honest truth here. So I was feeling really down and I knew that law enforcement was not something that was going to be long-term for me. Uh, for For me, I kind of absorb the culture that I'm in. That's just my personality. And it can be a very negative thing to see all of the bad in humanity every day. And so I knew for my best mental health, that wasn't something that I could do long-term. Uh, and I started watching Grey's Anatomy and I got really absorbed in the medicine and like all these medical terms that they were saying, but people are gross, right? So I knew I didn't want to do human medicine. So I started digging around in veterinary medicine, you know, just again, circling back to what it is I love the most in the world. And that's, that's animals. And, uh, my only exposure to veterinary medicine growing up was the the usual country doctors that came out by themselves, you know, they didn't even have assistance when I was growing up. They just came out by themselves and my dad or I helped them do whatever they needed to do. So that was all I knew was if you wanted to do veterinary medicine you had to be a veterinarian and I knew that I didn't want to do that. And so I did a lot of Google searching and honestly that's What really started me on the path I am today of kind of bringing awareness and trying to help people out when they're starting because it was so difficult for me to find a spot. I knew I wanted to be more than an assistant, but I didn't want to go all the way to being a DVM. I I needed that middle ground and it was really difficult to find.
0: What made you know you didn't want to be a veterinarian?
1: I just don't want. The buck to stop with me at the end of the day. You know, I love educating clients. Surprisingly, I've I'm a self proclaimed not a people person person, Um, (laughs) but I love client education actually. But I don't want to be that person that you know has to say, I think your dog is terminal. You know, we only have these options for your pet. I I don't want to be that person. and I just didn't want that big responsibility on my shoulders. I wanted to just do the fun stuff.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of careers you could do with animals. Yet veterinary technician work seems to be like the the heaven for someone who loves to care
1: for animals. And and, and like that's what you're doing every single day. It really is. This is my job. I mean, yeah, the DVM – Gives the directions the orders, the instructions, the prescription for the pet, but guess who they're giving it to when they're in hospital me, so guess who gets to do it me and and that's what I love. I love to work with my hands. That's the farmer in me, right is I just love to get dirty and work with my hands every day. I, I want to touch animals i I want to know I want to see how they're feeling, and it's just in my blood
0: mhm yeah i can I can see it in your face. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, our listeners can't see, you, but you're glowing from talking about this, which is really just beautiful. I, I'm interested in knowing about opportunities. So here you are. You know, you're you you've discovered this is what you want to do, and you know you became licensed. And what does opportunity look like to
1: you? Up until recently. I wouldn't have really known the answer to that question. When I was first starting out, I felt really stuck and like maybe I'd made a mistake because maybe there weren't as many opportunities out there as I thought there were. I distinctly remember in 2016, I was at the PRINA conference in St. Louis and I was feeling really down and I was chatting with another equine technician and I was like, you know, I just really don't like small animal surgery. Anesthesia just I feel like I'm waiting for something to go wrong. And this can't be right. I can't be doing this thing that I love so much, but feel this bad when I'm doing it at certain times, You know, when I'm doing certain tasks. And so for me, I think opportunity looks like whatever you make it. I knew this wasn't right for me. And she told me the same thing. She said, there's lots of things out there. You just need to get out there and find it. You don't have to do this thing that makes you feel so bad. And so that's what I've done is I've just talked to a lot of people. You know the the creation of the podcast was in part for myself as well. I've done so much networking through this and just hearing other people's stories and talking to them about their stories creates new opportunities for me through their stories. I say, "Oh, that is so cool. I had no idea." Even if it's just a learning opportunity, it's still an opportunity that changes your life because you see something differently than you did before.
0: Yeah. And speaking of changing your life, I'm curious about what was the catalyst for leaving Clover Valley Veterinary Services and starting your own company because that's very scary and risky. So, what how are you, how are you feeling? Yeah.
1: So I was very scared in the beginning. Um it was my son, though. I had my son in October of 2018. And this was my first child. And my world as I know it kind of fell down around my ears. I'm not ashamed to admit that, that I was a workaholic before my son came along. My My job my life was being an lbt And I didn't realize the gravity of the situation <laughs> of having a child and being a workaholic. Y- you can't do both. So actually what I did was I took a nine-month break to kind of regroup, collect my thoughts, decide again. I-, I do love what I do, but I've had to decide a couple times that it really is what I truly love. And so I had to take that small break to decide this is what I wanted to do. And in the end, it was I needed control over every aspect of my life. I needed to say, I can only work these days. You know, a lot of times in veterinary medicine, we work 10-hour shifts, and I just really can't do that and give my son the time that he needs. You know, one term that I've come across more recently that I really love is work-life integration. So one of the things that kind of really burns us out pretty quickly is feeling like we need this perfect balance when in truth, that's not what life is. Life is an ebb and flow situation. So yeah, sometimes you might become a little more absorbed in work and and that might take over for a little bit, but it's recognizing that that's happening, taking a step back and then realigning yourself. And then there are times that it'll happen the other way too. Your Your family might kind of take over and you might not work as much, or things might get pushed to the back burner, but it's always remembering to take that step back, realign yourself, reintegrate all the things you're doing. And I think that's a much better outlook on things is, is an integration.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I definitely agree with that. And as you said, life is, you know, an ebb and flow and it goes one way and then it goes another way. Um, and, and you have to be okay
1: with that. Did that take a while to get used to? I think my husband will probably say it's still a work in progress, but I feel like I am a recovered workaholic. Uh, the DVM that I primarily work for now though, you know, she's really great at being strict with me and understanding that I have my limitations. And she helped me out quite a lot starting out, making sure I was... I was sticking to my commitment to my family and my hours. And so, you know, that's a big help too, having people who understand what's going on in your life and what you need from them to be able to achieve the goals that you're working towards. Gosh, I feel like there's so much to
0: talk about with you. I, I want to move in a different direction. I understand you worked with a veterinarian to implement a new pet pig spay and neuter procedure, while you were at Clover Valley Veterinary Services, yeah. and I feel like—is there a story there too?
1: Oh my gosh, pure panic, pure panic. That is what happened to me. So yeah, I I had worked there for I think it was one year. So I, I started there right after I got my license. So I had been licensed all of one year, and I was really comfortable with my my small animal surgical skills. I worked in a small animal practice the two years I was in school. Uh and then the DVM came to me and she says, "Hey, you know, pet pigs are getting pretty popular. I have someone who asked me to spay their pig. How would you like to make that happen here?" And I just I had nothing to say back to that uh because you know, we just don't learn a lot about pigs, especially not general anesthesia with pigs in vet tech school. So I made a panicked call home to a clinic that I'd shadowed at before I started school. I knew that they spayed pigs. And the the very helpful DVM says, Well, you know how to intubate a dog and a cat, don't you? And I said, Yeah. And she goes, Well, then you know how to intubate a pig. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> While it wasn't the help I was looking for, you know, it kind of boosted my courage a little bit. I was like, okay, I can do this and combed all through my textbooks again. We came up with a a little drug protocol and, you know, I was part of that as well. I said, you know, I, I read in my textbooks that atropine is usually a good thing to give pigs. So, so it cuts down on their salivary secretions. And and so I just did it. And and I'll be honest, I missed the first time. I, I didn't get it in the right spot the first time, but I was successful on my second try. The the local FFA chapter was kind enough to let us spay one pig and, and castrate a second pig under general anesthesia so that I could practice my intubation, uh, keeping my planes of general anesthesia appropriate with a pig, make sure our pre-med protocol was just right. And I'm happy to say that Every single one of my pig surgeries went off so well. And, and yeah, that's one of my career milestones that I'm actually super proud of. And I'm putting a little talk together to offer also on my website. So other technicians don't have to fear that sheer panic that I felt at that point in my career. <laughs> And you grew up in Kansas,
0: too, because you mentioned, you know, called back home. There's a few things. One is you grew up in Kansas, and early on you were saying that you wanted freedom in your life. And I was curious if there was a connection between the geography and where you lived. You mentioned you
1: had, you know, 48 students in your graduating class. Is there something that ties that all together? Yeah. So I, I came from a really small town. We didn't go on vacations a lot when I was a child because you just you just can't really leave a dairy farm. It was hard to find good people that were trustworthy to make sure the cows got milked on time and that things were taken care of. And so, you know, I just wanted to be able to do that. I wanted to be able to look at my husband on a Saturday and say, hey, let's go an hour away for the afternoon, spend the afternoon out hiking. And we don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to be back at three to milk cows. We don't have to feed the calves, scrape the lots, feed the cows, all that comes with it. And as far as the current geography goes, you know, I just I wanted something different from the harsh climate that I grew up in that was kind of unpredictable and really cold winters and wanted to try something different and and experience that. I want to circle back to
0: Kendra, the vet tech. Um, Is this Kendra, the vet tech, or I should say Kendra, you know, the vet tech 1.0? Is there another phase in this grand plan that you have? Or do you have a grand plan? Are you you just figuring it out?
1: (laughs) I think I, (laughs) I'm a super type A person. So I'd love to say that, yeah, everything is totally planned out. But this whole journey has Really challenged that part of myself in that it, it's really all been kind of like a, a seat of my pants kind of situation. So I comfortably say I'm sure there will be a Kendra the Vet Tech 2.0 with bigger and better things. You know, I've learned so much coming into the second season of my podcast. You know, I, I feel like episodes coming out in this season are. Much better than they were in the first season. And then the same thing with my video recordings that are coming out on YouTube. They're slowly getting better and better. And so, you know, I really hope for more audience input as well. So it could take a different direction based on what viewers and listeners are thinking and what they would like to hear about. So, yeah, I actually, I'm really hopeful that there will be a a new and improved (laughs) (laughs) 2.0.
0: And you're your own boss versus working for someone. So I'm curious, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of that?
1: It's nice. I really do like to have full control over my life, especially with my son. And so I think that's the biggest thing for me. I did do a stint with a telehealth company last year for about 8 months when I was just kind of really needing a little a little more cash flow. It was difficult to get into clinics with with all the mask and mandates and things, they weren't wanting, you know, a ton of strange people in and out of the clinic. So I picked up some telehealth work and that really solidified for me that I just need to be in control uh, because they did have scheduled times that I had to be there and commit to. And I really am enjoying my life being fluid at this point and scheduling what works for me and what works for my my family.
0: You know, being in control, though, some things are not in you can't have control over Uh. (laughs)
1: though. And and what, how do you feel about that? Uh, Again, I'm a type A person. So it just, I worry and worry. And then I worry a little bit more for good measure. So especially with my podcast where, you know, I have guests, they're, they're independent people. And so I contact them and then I sit around and worry whether or not I'm actually going to make that contact, make that recording. And I don't know if I do deal with it in an appropriate way. You know, I, I drink a lot of um, the stress relief herbal tea around those times, but you know, otherwise, I think I've gotten a little bit better. Honestly, about the whole ebb and flow situation, and just it'll happen when it happens, kind of, kind of deal. I've gotten a little bit better at at just letting things go.
0: All because of the drink or something else. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. The herbal tea. <laughs> I do a lot of jogging, too. I'm like, oh, I'm just going stir crazy and my thoughts are going in a circle. I need to just I need to just go run it off a little bit. Um, And and also that I have just been really lucky. I've networked with so many great people that have come through for me in the end. I've really been trying to focus on that also that, you know, it always works out and well, I shouldn't say always, but when it does work out, it's great. But you know, if this if this particular route, if this particular contact doesn't work out, then I'll just move on to the next one. And I think that's been the great thing about having control over my time is I have plenty of time to think things over, write things out, have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So I can just always move on to the next.
0: Right. I'm curious if you have any words of advice for technicians or veterinarians just starting out in their career,
1: even even students. The best advice I can give is you just need to go into every opportunity with an open mind and a good attitude. I see a lot of students that get really caught up, you know, and I have worked with veterinary students doing their externships in clinics, so I've seen students on both paths. And they get really worried and caught up in skills and am I going to be able to do this? But honestly, at the end of the day, what the experienced folks and your your trainers that you'll run across, what they want from you is for you to come in with a good attitude and a willingness to learn. And then we'll help you make up all the difference from there. Because if you have that open mind to listen to what they're telling you, and then always coming back with a good attitude you might have a horrible day one day but if you come back the next day and you've just cleared your head forgot all about it you're really focused that today is going to be that good day that's what we want to see that's what we want
0: i i couldn't agree with you more because as there's a there's a saying that's you know you can teach skills but you can't teach attitude so exactly. it's like You know, when you're hiring someone, it's like you can always teach them something, but man, if you can always teach their skills, but if they have a great, like, awesome, positive attitude, it's fantastic. And that's what it's really all about. Yes. I had one last question for you, which was about just education. What satisfaction do you get? Educating um, either through your podcast or YouTube
1: and or or just in person and helping other people. My absolute favorite from doing the in person instruction that I've done is the aha moment. Just you know when someone's been struggling with a skill, they can't wrap their brain around it. Maybe they haven't been very great with their IV catheters, but when you see all the pieces click into place there, and everyone gets it. It's just this look, the the light from the inside goes on and they just light up. I'm addicted to that expression. So, um, you know, hopefully I'll I'll get to more in-person things so I can see that again later in my career, but for now what I'm really enjoying is I've had some people that have reached out that are struggling with their decision on should I go to online school? Should I do in-person school? What do I do now? And I do get a lot of satisfaction from helping those people find their way because been there, done that, you know, and you can feel (laughs) so lost and so down and we might lose a good one at that point, you know, because they just don't know where to go. And so I, I do love that I'm helping them find their way and maybe we'll get a really good technician in the world out of it. You, I,
0: yes, I love this. (laughs) We're out of time, but I have to just squeeze in one more question about Gray's Anatomy because you're cracking me up because you said oh. people are gross. You really think that? Oh, man. But you know that's TV, right? So they make
1: it like <sighs> especially. No. Uh, what no. happened? I don't know. I've always just people are gross. And maybe it's just because I've always <laughs> been around animals all of my life. But, but yeah, the people stuff like, you know, if, if a dog – vomits in their cage or defecates in their cage. Yeah, whatever. You know, I manually get fecal samples from horses. Like none of that stuff bothers me. But if it's humans, I, I just I can't even imagine doing that. It it makes me um Wanna vomit just a little bit myself, thinking about cleaning up a human that has pooped themselves. So no thank you. But wait a minute, wait
0: a minute. You have a two-year-old.
1: I know, I know. I guess I guess my mom hormones must take over in that situation. Uh, because yeah, he doesn't it doesn't bother me quite as much with him. But I blame that solely on hormones.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I have to tell you, I'm smiling because I um, feel the same way about humans. Like when there's a surgery show on for um, human surgery, I can't watch it. I can't even watch getting my blood drawn (laughs) from myself, but yet I can do surgery, no problem on a, you know, dog, cat or whatever. No problem. But I I have been known to like get, you know, faint and, and I have to I have to turn my head and I actually have to talk to the phlebotomist about their pets so I don't, you know, lose it.
1: I'm right there with you. I'm actually a needle-shy human and my husband always gives me so much grief about this. He's like, Kendra, how many animals do you poke on any given day? And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm not stabbing the needle in myself. Right. For everyone who's listening out there, look,
0: <laughs> there's two people, right? Kendra and me, we're, we're right there with you. Yes, because I get the same. I get the same garbage from people. Well, you're a veterinarian. Don't you do this all the time? And I I say it's not the same. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are out of time. I feel like I could chat with you forever, Kendra. You are so delightful, and it was. I feel like we learned so much from you on lots of different things. So we really, I just really appreciate that you came on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. This has been so much fun talking about my journey and, and where I'm going.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. This wraps up another episode of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. Please remember to visit Vet Vance at www.vetvance.com and check out Zoetta's Commitment to Veterinarians on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get more information about life issues such as handling student debt, reducing stress, communication skills, and reputation management. VetVance is also available as a mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at scrubchat at zoetis.com. We would love to hear from you. And please don't forget to share and review this podcast so we can produce more in the future. We are grateful to Zoetis for the support. Until next time, I'm Dr. Kim Farina, and this is Scrub Chat.